to be with the Lord's people. Luke chapter 19, we'll be reading verses 28 through 40. Now this account is mentioned in all four Gospels. If our Lord seemed fit to record it that many times, there's, there's some great significance to it. And what we have here is the king coming to Jerusalem. Not coming to be king. He's coming because he is king. Coming in Jerusalem. This would be the week prior to his death. In a few days, he will hang upon the cross and give his life and his shed his blood for the atonement of sin. Verse 28 of Luke 19. When he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. It came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which you're entering you shall find a colt tied. Ron yet never man say it, loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose the colt? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owner thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, as they were commanded to do, the Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they set, cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread clothes in the way, and when he was come nigh, and even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered, and he said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. See there in verse 28, he went before them. As the shepherd always goes before his sheep, he is leading them. This is going to be a great trial for them just in a few days. In a few days, they will all forsake him and flee. And he always goes, now listen, before his people. He ascends up to Jerusalem. He's ascending up as, the, as our king. Why is he coming to Jerusalem? He's coming to die. He's coming as our king. Remember one time they came and they wanted to force him to be a king. He said he wouldn't have no part of it. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom. A spiritual kingdom. And all this was done. All this that happened here. All this that I just read, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. What scripture? Turn to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9.
you wonder how many recognized that when he came in. I wonder how many remember this passage of Scripture. If they're like us, you know, many times we forget. But the Lord may have brought it back to their mind. It says, Zechariah 9, 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, and shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. This is just speaking of believers. Zion is Jerusalem. Zion is the church. Behold, thy king cometh. He didn't say, Behold, a king cometh. Thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, and he is having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt. The foal of an ass. You know, this is the only place that I can think of offhand where our Lord displayed himself openly. What I mean by that, many times he would heal someone and he said, don't tell anybody that I did this. He knew what was in man and he knew why men would follow him. And sometimes he would heal and he would go and retire into the wilderness to be alone, but not this time. Before they wouldn't uh, he would have said, don't do this. But now, you imagine the whole city is rejoicing because the king, he's coming. Open the gates, wide ye gates, you everlasting doors. And who is this that's coming in? This is the king of glory. He's coming in. He's the king of kings. And He's Lord of Lords. Why is he coming? He said, one place, mine hour is now come. He's coming with salvation. He's coming to save his people. He is sovereign over all things. This is what I want us to look at today. He's sovereign over men, and he's even sovereign over animals. They all serve his purpose. Even Balaam, remember he was riding the ass and the ass could see the angel with a sword drawn and, and Balaam had done hit the, the, the animal two or three times because he could see and he could see better than Balaam could see. And the, the, the ass just fell down and he got up and just, Balaam was just hitting that ass and God opened his eyes. And there stood an angel with a sword drawn. You know what? That ass spoke. I said, why, why are you beating me? All I've ever done is serve you. And really, if it hadn't been for me, you'd be a dead man. But God speaks. But when he got through, he is still an ass, but he still used it. He used a rooster to crow to speak to Peter. He He's sovereign over all things. He had this colt tied right where it needed to be tied, and he told his disciples exactly where they would find it. And he told them, he said, if the, mess, the master asked you, why are you untying the colt, all you just to say, the master has need of him. That man, someone said, he could have been a believer. We don't know. But he knew the master, and he never said a word. Okay, he said, if the master needs him, you take him. And he did need him. And he sent for him. And they untied it, they loosed it, and they brought it to our Lord. He is sovereign over all things. He needed the colt. It was his colt. 
this cold. Now, don't you think about this. It's never been ridden. It's never probably had a sack of flour laid on its back. Any that's ever been around animals, they're not born. Most of them are not born tame. Especially a wild ass's coat. I, it was a miracle that it, that it was tied there. You try to, it's like those little goats we got. You try to just throw a rope around it. You see what you've got. They don't want to go the way you want to. They're going to buck. And that, 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 that old little donkey, it would bite you. It would kick you. And if that wouldn't work, they'd just lay down. And he's going to ride this. You know how he's going to ride? He's going to tame him. I had a horse one time, and it was during a time when I didn't have time to mess with it. I'd feed it and take care of it, but we never messed with it. What I mean, you tried to rub it or put a hold or anything on it for two years. You didn't get too close to it. It would have tried to bite you. And I go, how in the world am I going, what am I going to do with this horse? Well, just so happened, Kelly Pendry, who goes to Bruce, I mean, Paul's church, he, he's good with horses. He said, I can come get both of them. It was hitting another horse. I said, how are you going to get on the trailer? He said, that young going to follow that older horse. And sure enough, walked right in that trailer. You know, two weeks later, he sent me a picture. There stood that horse with a saddle on it and a bridle on it. Kelly Pendry knew how to break a horse. I can tell you right now, our Lord knows how to break wild asses. He does. That's how I want to look at this text today, as an allegory. You know, our Lord said that Sarah and Hagar, they were an allegory. They were a picture. Sandy used an allegory this morning in in her lesson. It was a picture. It pictures something. Well, what does this picture? Well, first thing we need to see, it's a picture how God saves sinners and how he finds them and brings them to himself. It's like Paul, I'm looking forward to listening to his messages. Philemon was not looking for the Lord. He was running. And God crossed his path. He is just in having salvation. Everything our Lord spoke, every miracle he performed, he was teaching a lesson about his sovereign power and grace in every little detail. It was more than just raising Lazarus from the dead. That's a picture of how God raises dead sinners from the dead. He healed the lepers. That He healed those people, but it is an allegory of how he heals us that are spiritual lepers. He gives sight to the blind. He gives people the ability to hear. All are pictures. 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 The story here of our Lord riding this wild ass's colt through the street of Jerusalem is really just the old, old story of his sovereign, irresistible, fetching grace to his chosen people. There in Zechariah, if you're still turned there, let me read verses 9 through 10 now. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. 
He is just having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and a colt, the foal of an ass. And I will cut off all the chariots from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. He shall speak peace. You know what Jerusalem is? The city of peace. He's the prince of peace. Remember who Melchizedek was? He was the high priest of Jerusalem, the city of peace. Now watch this. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river even unto the ends of the earth. That's the one coming. He's coming in such a way to display his character, his kingdom, his work is our king. People didn't understand. Why would they want to take him by force? They wanted out from Roman rule. They wanted, they wanted, and they thought, and I don't think some of them ever grasped it till he rose from the dead. They thought he was come to establish an earthly kingdom. My opinion, I don't think Judas actually, I don't know really what he thought, but I think that he may have thought, surely he won't, he won't let them kill him. I'll betray him, and they may arrest him, they may mistreat him a little bit, but he won't die. He won't let them take his life. See, he didn't understand. Why did he come? He come to die. The king tried to speak on this the other day at Becky's. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. He shows himself here in his humiliation. He did not come riding in on a horse. He didn't come riding in on some thoroughbred. He didn't come riding in on some big Tennessee walking horse, as most kings would have come. With all the pomp, no, he, he's riding on an ass. You know, I don't know. I'll just share this with you for what it's worth. I read somewhere... That You remember when Abraham and Isaac are going to go worship? And they had the wood and the fire. Somebody, someone said they believed it might have. He might have set Isaac <laughs> on a wild ass's colt. <laughs> and he's leading him to be the sacrifice. This is why he's coming. This is why he's coming. He sends two disciples. Now, these could have been two of the twelve, or it could have been other disciples. It doesn't say. But what I do see here, their names are not mentioned because that's not the important thing. He just says he sent two disciples. To do what? He says, I want you to go get me a little young colt. They were sent by the master, and they were sent to the exact place where they would find it. He said, when you enter to the city, you're going to see a colt tied. And when you find it, you loose it and you bring it to me. If somebody says anything to you, you tell them the master has need of it. And it was exactly as the master said. No preacher or prophet 
in the scriptures ever applied for the job. Those two disciples were sent. What were they sent to do? To get that coat. Why did God call preachers? Why does he send preachers? It's to find his elect. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they going to call on him of whom they've never heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? And how can they preach except they be sent? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He sends his preacher to go get this animal. When God intends to save a sinner, he will send his preacher to fetch that person. And he will. You can mark it down. You know why? God's decreed it. All his sheep will be found. All of his sheep. Like David, he sent and fetched Mephibosheth. When our Lord sent them, he, he told them, he promised them of success. He didn't say, would you go down to that city and see if you can bring me a donkey? No, he said, you're going to find one, and you're going to bring it to me. And they did. And this is what the Lord does. He said, you go down there and preach to them. You get on that radio and you preach to them, and I'm going to find my sheep, and I'm going to bring them. And he will. It's successful. We, it's like this. God will glorify his name even in the damnation of sinners. His word will not return unto him void. We may not see a lot of people. That don't mean it's not successful. We want to see something. They did see something. Can you imagine? A good, I could see one of them. Maybe they thought, you really think there'll be donkey down there? And they get in there and go, won't you looky there? It's just exactly like he said it would be. Isn't that amazing how he works? I love when... I think one of my favorite, one of my many favorite stories of the Old Testament is when Abraham sends for Isaac a bride, and he sends his servant to go get the bride, and he don't know who she is. He didn't tell her his name. He just told him where to go, and he goes down there by the well because he knew women would be coming to the well to get water, and he said, "Lord, I think he's just praying in his heart. How will I know her? Here's what I'll do. Whoever comes up, I'll ask her." Would you, would you water my camels? Or no, she'll water the camels. I won't even ask her. And he said he hadn't even got done praying. Well, here she come. What's the odds? And she come up there and she said, he said, would you give me a drink of water? She said, sure. I'll not only give you a drink of water, I'll water all your camels. You wonder how much water a camel can drink? And he never says a word. Just watches. You know what he said? Maybe it's her. <laughs> you know what? We just watched sinners and said, maybe they're one of his. <laughs> That's his. That's his donkey. He sent me after it. And he told him to go get it and told him where to find it. Isn't it amazing to see his sovereignty over all things? You said these things are not insignificant. Go to the city over against you. And he'll make them willing in the day of his power. 
God's elect will be found right where he put them. The Samaritan woman was found at a certain well. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. There were many trees on the road to Jericho, but Zacchaeus was found in one. You know where that tree was at? It's the one Jesus is going to come by. Our Lord tied this wild ass's coat right where he would find him. He told them exactly what they were looking for. He didn't say go down there and get a horse. He didn't go say get a mule. He said go get an ass. In the Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verse 4, and they went their way and found the coat tied by the door without a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. This wild ass, you know what it's a picture of? A stubborn, unbroken, untamed sinner. And he was in a place where two ways met, between life and death, between heaven and hell. You know, that's where the Lord found you, right in a way where two ways met. Which way will I end up? It's up to him. Code had never been written. This is how God describes, this is how. I'm going to show you this from Scripture so that we're not just pulling something out. This is how God describes us. If you want to, turn to Job chapter 11, verse 12. For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. There's no, I don't think there's anything more stubborn than a, than a, than a donkey or a mule or, or an ass. Isn't it? I mean, God gave it that name. <laughs> he did. You know, some people cringe to say it. You know, he, just, he, he gave it to this animal. This animal. He said, we're born, we're born just like that animal. Yes, we're a picture of sheep, but we're born like a wild ass's coat, untamed. Nobody taming us. And this ass that our Lord rode upon had never anybody ever rode on it. You've seen, I know, pictures where men jump on the back of a horse and they buck. It wouldn't be nothing like getting on the back of this thing. But it's his. And the he sent them to find. What's amazing is God sent his spirit to find you. Right where he put you. It describes the depravity of man. We're born wild by nature. 
When the wild ass is born, it won't bow to the yoke. It will not submit. It's a stiff-necked animal. Jeremiah 2.24, a wild ass used in the wilderness that snuffed up the wind at her pleasure. In her occasion, who can turn her away? All that seek her will not weary themselves in her month. They shall find her. What it's saying is these wild asses, they would, they would sniff the wind to try to find their mate. And when they got wind of it, they said, you better not get in her way or his way. You know, don't that describe us. We're going to go after whatever we want. We are going to fulfill our ungodly lust. Don't get in our way. She sniffs the wind. This is the way I'm going. In our nature, we live in a barren wilderness. We snuff up the wind at our pleasure. We lust after the world. We're looking for something to satisfy our lust. And we won't allow anything to stand in our way. It's our nature, like this animal, to be mean. We've had a couple of goats. We had one that was mean. He was getting mean. I was, I was worried about it. And it's time for him to go. But it's his nature. You know what? I know we don't like to hear it, but I'm just going to be honest with all of us. By nature, we're mean. What Paul read, what a perfect example. You want to see a mean person? That man was forgiven the whole debt. God had compassion on him. And he went out and found his friend, which owed him just a few pennies. And he grabbed him by the neck and said, Pay me what you owe me. You know what that is? That's mean. You know what we do? God forgives us for the debt and somebody sins against us just a little bit. We say, man, I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to make them pay the whole debt. You know what that is? That's mean. You ain't riding my back. You ain't telling me what to do. You ain't telling me which way to go. says the coat was, was tied. Men like to think they're free, don't they? By nature, we're bound by sin. We're bound by traditions. We're bound by peer pressure. We're bound by the religion. We're bound. The coat wasn't free. It's tied. Bound. You know what? We're tied outside the door, Grace. We're tied outside of Christ. And he said, untie it. He reached over and untied it and getting ready to walk off. Job 39.5 also says, Who has sent out the wild ass free? Religion binds. Grace, it's free. They were told to loose the colt because the master told them to do, to undo the, undo the colt because they had, you think about this, he said, I have need of it. I want to ask you a question. What does God have need of you?
What reason could our Lord have need of a wild ass? He needs someone said this. Think about this. He needs everyone he fetches so he can see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. They've all got to come. They've all got to make up his bride. Let me give you some things. The Lord can loose and tame the wildest sinner. You know, a good example of that was that gathering man. Talking about he was a wild man. Nobody could tame him. The Lord did. The Lord came right where he was at. And he saved that man. And when he saved that man, everybody else said, we want you out of here. And our Lord left. But he saved that man. And he said, what? You go back to your home and you tell them what great things the Lord had done for you. The Lord had needed the colt. He needed a boat to cross the lake. He needed a net to catch the fish. He needed five loaves and two fishes to feed the 5,000. He needed a basket to take up the fragments. He needed a dish to hold the sop. He needed a little child to be the subject of his sermon. He needed clay to put on a blind man's eyes. He needed a woman to minister or women to minister to his needs. And he needed the disciples to preach the gospel. He said, I have need of him. That's all you got to say. What's he going to do with him? He didn't, he didn't even ask that question. It's not for him to understand the Lord has need of him. And it's his. Well, then what did they do? They're not done yet. We're going to bring him. And I can see I, this in my mind's eye. I can see the. Mother and that little colt never been ridden. I can see him just walking right behind him, two disciples. Because they did exactly what he told them to do. I can picture they didn't untie and that thing start jerking around. No, he just went right on. That's how the Lord does his people. He makes them willing. In the day of his power. It's amazing. I still get amazed when I see God save a sinner. They're wild. They're arrogant. They're proud. They're cocky. And God humbles them. Humbles them. Those who were brought to Christ. Washed in his blood. And robed in his righteousness. The saints of God willingly give their shirt off their back and they put those their garments on that animal. They spread their clothes in the way and they put him on the animal. And here he goes in his humiliation riding in Jerusalem. Is that the king? Yeah, that's the king. He said, you'll know him when he comes. How will you recognize he's going to be riding on an ass? They began to praise God for the works they had seen. They said, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. What a picture of God's grace. A wild ass broken by grace and written by the Son of God, and he does not bite, kick, or anything. He just submits. Submits.
the religious crowds as what was going on. The shouts of his praises, but they have no clue of what's happening. In one of the gospels, it said the whole city was moved. He said the whole city's moved after him. Now, I don't know how many of these people that are shouting Hosanna when he comes in will be shouting crucify him in a few days. But he even controls these people because he said, they said, tell those people to be quiet. Just tell them to be quiet. He said, if they don't speak, if they didn't praise me, the stones would cry out. <clears throat> Why would our Lord choose a type of an animal like this? Why would the Lord why would the Lord choose you? Why would he set his love upon you? Why would, why would he turn the world upside down? Why would he give nations for you just to save your soul? Why would he do that? I'm going to show you. 1 Corinthians 1.26 1 Corinthians one twenty six. For do you see your calling, brethren? He said, just think for a minute. Do you see your calling? How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, not many, not many kings. He didn't say not any, not many princesses. Who did he choose? He chose harlots, Moabites, a wild gathering man, a Murray, Murray Magdalene, whom he cast out seven demons. Why did he do that? Why did he choose people? Why did he choose you? But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that which are mighty and the base things of the world, and things that are despised. You'd have never give the donkey a second thought. Things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh will ever glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Someone said an African wild ass is a very rare animal. They say there are no more than a few hundred of them in all the world. You know what I see from that? God's children in this world are very rare. Very, very rare. Not many wise men are tall. Not many noble. They some are, few. But God chose you. Just like we're pictured in this old wild animal. And he broke us, humbles us. And then he does use us for his glory. You're his. You're his. Oh, to be broken by God's grace and to be used by him, that he might receive all the glory, all the praise. You know why? He's rightful king. 
I may just read the song, but if you would, I want you to turn to page 109. When I was looking at this message, I couldn't help but remember this song. Now, this is a song, the only one I've ever heard sing this song was my friend, Brother Rupert, and he could flat sing it. He loved to sing a cappella, and he, he could just, he, God gave him a gift, and he was a blessing to me. It's right on, right on in majesty. Right on, right on in majesty. Hark all the tribes, Hosanna cry. O Savior meek, pursue thy road. With palms and scattered garments strode. Right on, right on in majesty. In lowly pomp, right on to die. O Christ, thy triumphs now begin, or captive death and conquered sin. Ride on, ride on in majesty, the winged squadrons of the sky. Look down with sad and wondering eyes to see the approaching sacrifice. Ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp ride on to die. How thy meek head to mortal pain. Take then, take, O God, thy power and reign. Right on, right on, in majesty. <laughs> what a Savior. What a King.